Great men throughout history have, in the face of risk to their own comfort, reputations, or even their own lives, sought the noble task of inventing technologies for the sake of their neighbors. Every aspect of our lives has been touched by our brave fathers that created things that didn't exist before them. Architecture, transportation, medicine, apparel, farming, logistics, and economics all are influenced either for good or ill by those brave inventors that came before us. However, there are a few inventions that came with extraordinary risk. One such invention was the parachute. There is some debate as to who was the first to conceptualize the parachute. Some say it was the ancient Chinese. Some say it was an Italian inventor in the 15th century. And some credit Leonardo da Vinci with the inventing of the parachute. He had drawn a picture of a cloth pyramid of wooden poles with the accompanying note. If a man is provided with a length of gum-lined cloth with a length of 12 yards on each side and 12 yards high, he can jump from any great height whatsoever without injury. Whoever first conceptualized a parachute, the first man to test it was a man named André Jacques Garnerin. Garnerin, a Paris native, grew in fame as a balloonist in the newly invented hot air balloon. Having experimented with the idea of a parachute, Garnerin had used animals initially to test a prototype, but no human had dared risk a fall with a parachute. Spectators that had arrived to view the event of Garnerin's first attempt of a drop with a parachute noticed a gigantic umbrella folded on the ground next to the hot air balloon. Garnerin inflated the balloon and scrambled into the basket. The balloon rose quickly to 3,000 feet, where he recounted the following. I was on the point of cutting the cord that suspended me between heaven and earth and measured with my eye the vast space that separated me from the rest of the human race. I felt myself precipitated with the velocity which was checked by a sudden unfolding of my parachute. At length, I perceived thousands of people, some on horseback, others on foot, following me, all of whom encouraged me by their wishes, while they opened their arms to receive me. Some inventors have the good fortune of being received by men when the risks pay off. When these men achieve success, they are welcomed like heroes. Our guest today is a man who took tremendous risk to build something that didn't exist. He sought success at great risk, but unlike these other men, the more success he has had, the more is in danger. The King's Hall podcast exists to make self-ruled men who rule well and win the world. Well, welcome back to another episode of the King's Hall podcast. I'm Brian Sauvet, joined with uh, my good friends, Eric Kahn. Say hi to the listeners, Eric. Hey, hey, what's up? Leroy Jenkins, Eric Kahn, same guy. <laughs> same per literally same person. And of course, the man, the myth, the legend, Dan Burkholder. I am also here. <laughs> and he is ecstatic. And actually joining us in the King's Hall today, as you already know from the cold open, but joining us is the one and only Andrew Torba, founder and creator of Gab.com and many other amazing endeavors. Thanks for joining us today, Mr. Torba. Pleasure to be here. This is actually like my favorite podcast right now. So I'm uh, very excited to be here and, and hanging out with you guys. Well, we're honored, and we do just want to say thank you for really pushing uh, our, our videos on Gab TV there. A lot of you guys have started listening over on Gab. 
we finally got our whole back catalog uh, loaded up there. So, man, great. Two birds, one stone. Support a great Christian work and uh, listen to King's Hall. But, we, yeah, we're thankful for the the help you've you've given us in getting the word out about the podcast. Yeah, I mean, vice versa. You guys are creating, you know, phenomenal content. Uh, it's entertaining, uh, educational. You know, it's certainly one of the best that, that I've heard in, in a while. So happy to uh, get the word out about it. And um, hopefully you guys have gotten some more listeners from from uh, me sharing it and whatnot. Yes. And not just new listeners, but the kind of listeners who are on the same page as us. Not hate listeners, right. but people who are actually like, let's, yes, new Christendom. Amen. Let's go for it full send. So we we are appreciative. And so we've been talking this season quite a bit about the, this idea of building the new Christendom, of going into the world, identifying places where culturally, uh, economically, in the family, the home, the church, that there have been green groves of idolatry constructed where people have inf- you know, infiltrated the church and the, the, the world and the state and the family and successfully discipled people in the image of false gods and to worship false gods. And so this first season here in the King's Hall, we've been talking uh, extensively about what those centers of idolatry are, how to see and dismantle them and tear them down in the spirit of Phineas and his spear or Gideon and the idols in his community, and then to not just go on offense and knock stuff down, but to build and to build really the new Christendom, put up this cathedral, a stone at a time, generation after generation, trusting in the faithfulness of the Lord Jesus Christ to build his church, and and not just in the sphere of the church, but in every aspect of what it means to be human. And as we've talked about this and then learned more about Gab and what you've been building over at Gab and all of the different aspects of it, because it's not just a social media platform. Maybe, maybe some listeners don't understand that. There's a lot more we'll get into that Gab is about and doing. Really, we see that we're on the same mission. We're really pursuing the same thing from different vectors. And so first question we wanted to ask you was just, can you tell us how what you're building at Gab pushes that goal forward and why it is so essential that Christians do this hard work of taking ground, creating own space economically, politically, in their communities, and really on every level? Well, we see what happens when we don't do that, right? We, we we see that our government is is overrun by secularists or by people who reject Christ. We see that our school system is, is the same thing. Uh, technology, media, news, uh, all of it has sort of uh, been conquered uh, by the secularists. And, you know, it, what I saw back in 2016 was that Christians were being silenced um, mm-hmm. and, and censorship was starting to creep up. And, I, you know, being a Christian out in Silicon Valley and, and seeing how these people think and seeing how these people treated me, um, you, you bring up Jesus and they look at like like they look at you like you got a, a tinfoil hat on. Right. Like mm-hmm. you're from from outer space. But, you know, you, you could say other things um, like a man in a dress is a woman and mm-hmm. it's uh, it's normal. So, uh, you know, I, I saw the culture out there and I got to know how these people think. And, um, you know, I, I sort of saw where they were going with things because I knew how they thought. And I had been sort of immersed in their culture for many years, you know, trying to uh, make it in in Silicon Valley and, and become the next Mark Zuckerberg or whatever. I was very focused on, you know, doing that. And I, I wasn't walking as close with the Lord then. And, uh, you know, it's just incredible how he's used Gab to not only, you know, bring his people in, in fellowship, 
but, you know, to bring me closer to him too, uh, through, through that project. So, um, you know, if we're going to build a new Christendom, um, new Christendom needs, uh, the ability for Christians to, to communicate, um, and to engage in, in commerce with one another and to, uh, build one another up and, um, you know, share the word of God with one another and, and learn and disciple one another. In order to do that, we, we sort of have to use technology. And I, I think anytime that the, we've been blessed with some new technology, the Lord has always used it to sort of advance his kingdom, right? So whether it's ships or, you know, the printing press or any matter of technology throughout history has always been sort of used to, to advance uh, the kingdom of God. And I think this is no different. So, you know, what we're building at Gab again is, is not just a, a social network. It's it's a community uh, of God's people and, and of, of non-believers as well, yeah. uh, where people can come and, and speak freely and, um, you know, have the protection of, uh, you know, first the First Amendment of the United States of America. You could say whatever you want, as long as you're not threatening to kill someone, as long as you're not breaking uh, the law, mm-hmm. uh, you're allowed to stay in on Gab. Um, we don't allow, you know, it's not an anarchist platform. So I want to make that clear, too. You know, you can't. You can't post porn. You can't post threats of violence. You can't break the law. Uh, but if it's political speech, um, you know, you, you can you can post it. Um, so we wanted a hands off approach and, and and we wanted most of the moderation uh, to be done by the users themselves. So if you don't like something you, know, you could you can mute someone, you can unfollow them, you can block them. You, you don't have to watch what they're saying, um, but they still have a right to to exist on the Internet and to speak their mind. And we got a lot of flack for this, especially from actually from fellow Christians. They're like, if you're a Christian, you know, how can you allow these people to say all these horrible things about, you know, different people from different races and different backgrounds and different countries and whatever? Like, how can you how can you allow that on your website? And, you know, my argument always is, is like, how how are we going to reach these people with the gospel? Because if they're shunned from society, if they're not you know allowed on Facebook, if they're not allowed on Twitter and then they're not allowed on Gab, uh, how are we going to share the gospel with them? How are we going to change their hearts and minds? Uh, you know, we're not going to if, if they're not allowed to speak, if if they're, you know, shoved into the corner of society, into the dark corner of society. Um, they're actually probably going to become even more radicalized and and um, feel like that those beliefs that they hold are even more true because everybody is kind of shutting them out. So, you know, we, we want to have the opportunity for people to engage in dialogue and uh, engage in commerce. And, you know, that's that's a huge part of, of what Gab is building for the new Christendom is a place where Christians can engage in fellowship and commerce and, and speak freely and uh, build one another up. And hopefully, you know, that's that's what's going on. And um, I think that we've done a, a great job and the Lord has blessed us. Uh, we we've certainly faced trials and, and I can I can get into that. You know, we've we've been banned from the app stores and hosting providers and PayPal and banks. Um, you know, I've gotten multiple letters from Congress trying to intimidate me. And we have the ADL and the SPLC, uh, you know, the, the jo- Jonathan Greenblatt, the CEO of the ADL, you know, one of the most powerful lobbying in- special interest groups uh, in the world, you know, goes on national television and says, I'm one of the most toxic people in public life right now. Uh, that, that's a serious thing. It's sort of like a, you know, painting a big target on my back. Right. But, yeah. you know, the Lord has uh, been faithful, uh, you know, throughout all of these trials and has helped us overcome these trials. And um, that's the reason I don't fear the regime. Like I don't fear Congress. I don't fear, you know, Facebook and Google and Apple, you know, the biggest companies, multi-trillion dollar multinational companies that are coming after us and attacking us and these, you know, multinational, multi-huge, massive international media companies that are, are smearing us and, and defaming us. And I, I don't fear any of it because I fear the living God, right? Like yeah. he is so much greater than all of those things combined. So um, it's, it's very easy for me as a Christian grounded in my faith to, you know, stare uh, into the eye of Sauron and just say, bring it on, you know, like, uh, so we've been through certainly a lot, but um, that's just sort of a high level overview of, of what we're building and, and why we're building it. 
Yeah, it seems like if you're going to do anything where you say, I'm a Christian, I'm not ashamed of Christ, and I'm actually building in Jesus' name, even though you're not attempting to build a Christian ghetto with Gab, where it's just only Christians allowed, only Christian speech, it's kind of the you know the social media equivalent of like a Christian movie that only exists to have a gospel presentation at the end. You're not right. trying to do that. But even just the, the the notion that you're going to be, I'm a Christian, I'm building this for the glory of Christ, we're going to allow explicitly Christian speech on this network. We're not going to cancel people for saying that homosexuality is a sin. We're not going to cancel people for noticing things that this demonic global uh, you know, hegemony is, tr- is trying to perpetrate on the world in building the kingdom of darkness, which they're in, absolutely in league with. No, we're just going to build what, you know, on paper, when you describe it, should be a pretty kind of boringly, you know, like, yeah, of course, we'd want people to be able to disagree and, and you know, have free speech on the Internet. It seems like, from our perspective at least, and, and I'd be curious to, to get your perspective on this, it seems like any time a Christian tries to do something in the business world, the cultural world, the economic world, the publishing world, whatever it is, that is explicitly in Jesus' name, even if it's something that nobody should find controversial really on paper, that what they will immediately try to do is either co-opt you or compromise you. And if they can't do that, then they will try to utterly destroy and discredit you. Have you experienced, you know, you've talked a little bit about experiencing some of that. What does that look like for you personally, for Gab? How has that worked out? Yeah, I, absolutely. I, 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 you know, I've had this come up in, in several interviews this week, actually. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've, t- I've talked about it openly where, you know, when we first launched Gab, uh, we had, you know, the, the big money uh, people, uh, the big donor class in the Republican establishment, uh, you know, tried to buy me out. But mm-hmm. there, there was conditions, you know, this this free speech thing. Yeah, you, you can't do that anymore. When you're talking about certain things, just don't talk about this one thing over here um, or, you know, change your logo or change your mission statement or change your terms of service. It always came with a cost. And, you know, by the grace of God, uh, I wasn't doing this for money. Like, I, obviously, like we're running a business. We mm-hmm. want to be able to pay the bills and pay our employees and stuff. That's common sense. But that is not the 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 core impetus of why I'm doing this. If I wanted to, you know, make a ton of money, I would have just stayed in Silicon Valley, kept my mouth shut and, and continue building, you know, software companies that I flip, you know, every three years, which is what everyone does out there. Yep. Right. Um, that, that wasn't what this was about. So, you know, they tried uh, with the money thing and and that didn't work. And, and then they tried defaming. Um, and, and it wasn't just the Republican establishment either. It was, you know, the establishment in Silicon Valley. They saw that we were getting some traction. They saw that the idea was good. They saw that people were, you know, picking up with it and joining the platform and we were growing and exploding in growth. Um, so the money, the money thing didn't work. Um, and then, you know, the defamation started and the blacklisting started. Right. And, you know, it, it basically spread throughout Republican circles with all of the conservative and Republican influencers that they weren't allowed to talk about Gab. They weren't allowed to be on Gab. They weren't allowed to promote Gab. And not only that, that they would take a sort of a negative approach to Gab and, and um, stay away from it and and virtue signal against it. And um, then we started seeing, you know, these billionaires 
uh, start to compete with us. Yeah. So you have the Mercer family and, and they come out with Parler and they say, we're the free speech platform, right? And it's like, so they try to co-op it, right? They try to co-op, they see the, the traction that we're getting um, and, the, and the growth of our community and all of these billionaires started popping out of the woodwork first with Parler, uh, then it was Getter, which is Miles Gao, who's the, the Chinese billionaire. Hmm. Um, and, you know, even to a certain extent, President Trump with, with his platform. Hmm. Um, you know, so we have three different billionaires, including one that's run by a former president all trying to do what we're doing and you know it, it just it just the, the glory of god right like all three of them combined if you take all their traffic all their users everything combined don't add up to what gab is at right um so i i, I just i think that's telling that um you know even these billionaires and and these people who try to co-op what we're doing that didn't work either um them defaming and, and smearing me personally and you know calling me a nazi or an anti-semite or a bigot or a racist or a white nationalist or alt-right they tried every single label trying to stick every single label to me and, and to the gab community as a whole all of it failed. Uh, and then came the threats, right? And then came the threats of violence. So, you know, that's something that we deal with on sort of a week by week basis. Um, and it's, it's unfortunate, but uh, again, it's not something that I'm going to fear. You know, we deal with death threats all the time. You know, the, the most horrific things that are posted aimed at my family, aimed at my kids. Um, and it, it, again, it's, it's meant to intimidate, right? It's meant to get me to shut up. It's meant to get me to stop building, but uh, none of it works. Uh, none of it works uh, because I just I give it all up to God and I cling to the cross and we just keep plowing ahead and building. And, you know, by the grace of God, we we're still standing and we're we're still growing and uh, we're growing faster than than any of those other, you know, sort of co-ops combined. And I think that's a, a big part of that is because people are, are really searching for authenticity. It's a, it's a big reason as to why I think I like your podcast so much is because it's just authentic. It's real. It's not fake. It's not this corporate you know, phony nonsense that is just heavily produced. And it's just, you know, three normal guys that are having a real conversation about real things that real people are, are having those same conversations at the dinner table every night. And mm. I think the same thing about Gab is like, people don't come there to look for this influencer or that influencer, you know, it's, 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 they want to see what real people are saying um, and what real people think, because, you know, the, the enemy has, has sort of convinced us of this lie that, we're isolated and that, you know, the beliefs that we have, which are biblical scriptural beliefs are, are uh, taboo. And, you know, we're in the minority. There's, there's not many people that agree with us, but that, that's just the opposite is true. Um, most normal people are having the same, are thinking the same things that we're thinking. Many of them are too afraid to say them uh, because they're afraid to lose their job. They're afraid to, you know, lose family members or friends or whatever, but they are thinking these things and they come to Gab and they say, wait a minute, there's a lot of people here that see what I see and that think the same way that I think. And it, it sort of gives them that hope, gives them access to more information that they can't get anywhere else, you know, whether it's spiritual or, or political or just, you know, raw information, um, you know, they can get that all on Gab. Um, so I think that's that's part of the big reason why it's, it's growing in popularity and will it will continue to going forward, too. For the project of this season to be successful, the project of seeing a new Christendom built, There will need to be thousands and thousands of Christian men and women who are equipped to stand for the truth of Scripture against the errors of both the liberal church and the pagan culture. This is one reason we're so glad to be partnering with our sponsor for this season, Reformation Heritage Books. Reformation Heritage Books offers a large selection of helpful and theologically rigorous resources on everything from biblical theology to history to blue-collar family discipleship the type of library and resources that could make the kind of men and women I just described, grounded in the rich heritage of the Reformed faith. We'd like to highlight one resource in particular, their Family Worship Bible Guide, that presents 
rich devotional thoughts on all 1,189 chapters of the Bible, including searching questions to promote conversation and to help you in leading your family in such a way as to say with Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Tap the link in the description of this episode to pick one up today. Yeah, that's awesome. Andrew, one of the things that I think that has happened to you because of all the attacks and everything that we've, you know, we've seen, it's kind of public. I think a lot of people have gotten sort of a look under the hood, right? Gone down the rabbit hole a little bit with you. I'm sure you've been farther down it than, than any of us. But there have been a lot of people who are saying, look, this looks like a concerted effort, right? A coordinated, massive, globalist cabal. You know, some of the things that we would say in years past, even I, you know, 10 years ago, I said, yeah, maybe it's a little bit of a conspiracy theory. But I just want to get your take on that. Is, is there a massive coordinated global effort to despise and destroy Christendom? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's unequivocal, right? It's it's unequivocal that Christ is the enemy. Uh, his people are the enemy. Uh, the family is the enemy. All of God's established order for reality, for existence, is, is, is their enemy. Um, you know, they're attacking the family. They're attacking the church. Uh, they're attacking the biblical worldview. And, you know, it, it, it's, it doesn't even have to be that they're working sort of together. Like, I don't think it's a conspiracy in that they all like have these like secret meetings. And, you know, even though they do, right, they like they have Bilderberg, they have the World Economic Forum, like there is some sort of cohesion there. But it's more or less it's about worldview. And in order to understand the worldview that we're up against, uh, the way that I like to paint it is that, you know, we have the biblical, scriptural, pro-God, pro-humanity worldview, pro-life worldview, their worldview is the total opposite of that. It is anti-human. It is anti-God. Um, in fact, they want to become gods. And, and this is the thing that I've been, I've been talking about transhumanism so much over the past couple of years, because again, I understand how these guys in Silicon Valley think. They want to become God. The big race, you know, we, everybody's, you know, sort of distracted with the nuance of of politics and the day to day and, and this election cycle and that election cycle. Um, but what they're really focused on sort of behind the scenes is is becoming gods and and, and transcending humanity. Um, they believe that they can inject the soul into, you know, another organism or into a robot or into, you know, the global consciousness of the Internet or, you know, there's many different takes on it. But that's their end goal is to become gods. It's sort of the new space race to them is, you know, who can plant the chip in the brain and, and transfer the consciousness or, or the soul to, uh, you know, and transcend human biology to, to become a God. Cause whoever does it first in their minds is, is going to become sort of the ruler of, of the rest of us. Um, so that's, that's what they're focused on. And of course they're going to fail. And, and, you know, we've seen this uh, in the biblical narrative from, you know, Genesis, right. Uh, you know, man trying to become God, um, you know, from the tower of Bible and, and onward um, and man always falls. Um, and, and God has sovereign authority over everything that they are doing right now. So what we have to do is present sort of this very clear dichotomy uh, in, in difference of worldview. You know, again, our worldview is, is pro-God, pro-life, pro-human, pro-humanity, and theirs is pro-death and, 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 and pro uh, or anti-God and anti-Christ um, and, and is them trying to become gods. Uh, we're trying to worship God and they're trying to become God mm -hmm. and they will fail. But that that if you look at the high level of their worldview and of their ultimate agenda, um, it, it sort of makes sense why they have to get God out of the way, because in order to become gods, you know, the, if we're going to if they're going to have all of us worship them, well, they got to get God out of the way in order for that to happen. Right. So that that, that makes sense when you understand what their end goal is, which is sort of transcending humanity and becoming gods. Um, and I think that's part of a big reason why they're they're pushing the 
normalize that, to normalize, you know, even some of these Netflix shows that they have where they're already doing this, right? Where you can like sort of switch bodies and, and switch consciousness. And there's all sorts of narratives around that, that are, uh, you know, sort of meant to be predictive programming for where they're taking things. And when we understand that that's their, their end view, we can sort of combat it better and present the alternative, which is no, we're going to fight for humanity. We're going to fight for Christ. We're going to fight to defend Christendom and, and rebuild from scratch. You know, Gab itself, I've sort of made this moniker, Gab, G-A-B, go and build, right? Like we have to go and build. We can't just, you know, we can't just sit here idly and and watch the world melt down around us. Uh, Christ is king on the throne right now. He gave us one mission, which is the Great Commission, to go forth and disciple all nations. Um, and that's what we need to do. And in order to do that, we're going to need tools, right? We're going to need technology. We're going to need communications tools. We're going to need access to information and media and news and education and healthcare. So we we need to rebuild all of it sort of from scratch, um, you know, with Christ as, as the firm foundation that we're building upon. Yeah. So you've talked about how much resistance you've received from all of these globalist companies and from these billionaires. And obviously they don't want Gab to exist. They hate Christ. They hate your messaging and they hate the community of Gab and they want to shut it up. And so it's made it very difficult for you to do business with, I mean, banks is one of the examples that you've given. Where, where do you see the greatest opportunity for Christians to do kind of like frontier economic work like you, you've done yourself? What other industries and what other businesses do you see as opportunities for Christians to really go forward, take some risk, and to start those Christian businesses? Yeah, education and healthcare are, are two of the biggest ones. Homeschooling is is absolutely exploding right now, especially after COVID. You know, there's a, a great need for resources and curriculums and and content and and tutors and you know there there's infinite number of uh, of uh, opportunities there. Um, and then also in healthcare and and for the same reasons, you know, because there are so many people in in the healthcare industry that you know got fired for refusing the jab or you know have a different philosophy in terms of of treatment and actually care about the patients versus you know caring about making money from big pharma or, you know, following what the regime says, right? So those are the two big areas that that I see as as a big need right now. And and hopefully there there's going to be some more people rising up. Like I can't do it all, right? Like I, I'm tackling, you know, payment processing and and social media and, and content and and video processing and you know a, a lot of stuff, right? And I I I at this at some point you have to say, okay, we need to focus on like what we're good at and and really, you know, nail that. And and, and in doing that, we can also empower other people to to, to hit into these other these other areas that you know I would like to see other people and other entrepreneurs uh, other Christian entrepreneurs jump into so education is a huge one healthcare is another big one but really it's 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 sort of like you know fertile ground right you know we're we're at the ground floor here so if you have an idea you know if you want to start a, a Christian news company if you want to uh, start you know just creating wholesome Christian content I think that's another big one is like you know, content for kids, you know, because so much of it is so degenerate and worldly and secular that we need more options. We need more options. And I think, you know, Canon, you guys, there, there are certainly people that are entering in that space and, and Lord willing, there will be more, but the opportunities are, are endless. Um, you know, we need technology, we need uh, uh, education, we need healthcare, uh, we need payment processing. We need banking. We need all of it. We we have to we have to build up from the ground floor and build on the base of Christ, or, or else the same thing is going to happen again, right? Like, like we see what happens when we do, we just are, are passive. 
uh, you know, part of being a man is, is rejecting passivity. Um, so now is the time to build and now is the time to get your hands dirty and to take risks and, and to build something, build something. Yeah. And, and actually that's one of the, the, the phrases and concepts that I think is the most powerful about some of what you're doing with Gab is the idea of parallel economy where if we're going to establish Christendom, it's not just about retaking institutions that exist. It's also about saying, well, if that institution was built once and maybe it was conquered a long time ago by pagans, it can be built again. It can be built again by Christians. In fact, once you recognize that all of the great institutions in human society from education to healthcare to technology, Christians are the ones who did those things. We we made those things. And all it takes, I think, is for Christians, Christian men in particular, to be men of courage and creativity and competence. So they're doing things well. They're doing things where they can't be co-opted because they're not scared. They fear God. They don't fear men. Right. And, and they're doing it creatively. They're going and saying, you know, and, and almost suspending a little bit of the disbelief of like, oh, but we couldn't possibly build a social media company. Look how many people Facebook has. And then you go, well, right. what if we just acted like idiots for a day and said, maybe we could, right? What if we actually just said, what if we were foolish enough to think, maybe we could build a new healthcare industry? Like, what if we were foolish enough to say, maybe we could build an entire new content creation platform that would make sitcoms and films and documentaries and music that wasn't all just a vehicle for a gospel presentation, but that was just good human culture and art done heartily as for the Lord and and not for men. And so I think that's really captivated and driven even behind the scenes a lot of what we are aiming to do with the King's Hall, which is like not just a podcast. We're, we're, we're building a publishing company. We're looking to get some of these ideas and, and ethos put into, you know, lots of different vehicles and cultural artifacts and, and channels. So, you know, to us, I think, and, and guys, maybe I'm, I'm just riffing at this point. You, you kind of got me thinking about this out loud a little bit. But that parallel economy, I just think that has to be one of the biggest keys to the new Christendom. Absolutely. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, because we've been sort of shut out of, of the mainline economy, of the secular economy. Uh, you know, they've told us we're not welcome. They have yeah. all their rainbow flags. Uh, they have their multiple pride months and pride weeks. And they celebrate, uh, you know, the murder of children. And they, all of their values are diametrically opposed to to all of our biblical values that come from God. So, uh, you know, we have no choice at this point but to, but to rebuild. And, and to your point, all of the institutions of today were absolutely started by Christians, you know, from colleges to hospitals, to, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, to, to even technology. Um, so it's it's like, you know, we can do this again because we've done it before. We have to remember who we were, who we are, and who we always will be, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, we are peculiar people, and God has set us apart uh, to do great things uh, for his glory. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think, uh, especially in American Christianity, and, and, you know, we talk about this in the book a little bit, you know, we have this sort of doomer mindset where, you know, because of our flawed eschatology uh, that has just spread like a cancer over the past 150 years throughout American Christendom, we, we just look for things that are bad, and we celebrate them as good. Well, there's a work going on. Um, so that means that Christ is going to return any minute now, right? So that's actually mm-hmm. a good thing. So all you have to do is just kind of sit around and wait and don't build anything and, and yeah. don't create the most beautiful art the world has ever seen has come out of Christendom, right? The most beautiful buildings, uh, you know, colleges and, and massive hospitals and 
all these God glorifying things, beautiful cities, the most beautiful cities and, and buildings the world has ever seen have come from Christians that were building for the glory of God. And we don't see that anymore. And the reason we don't see that anymore is because we have this doom and gloom mindset where Satan controls this world. He has total run of this world. There's nothing we can do about it, but just kind of sit around and wait to die and wait for Christ to, to return. That type of mindset is why I think Christians haven't been building for, for quite some time. But if we can remind Christians of this is not historically who we were. Uh, this mm-hmm. is not who, uh, you know, God wants us to be. You know, we, <laughs> he, he, we gave us one mission, right? It's, it's you know, it, it's very clear. Um, mm-hmm. And the way that we accomplish that mission is, is by building and getting involved in the culture and getting involved in politics and getting involved in entertainment and news and every facet of society, all of Christ for all of life, right? So I think in order to do that, we have to sort of reframe how we're thinking about who we are and 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 our history and and who the Bible tells us to be. Um, so that's that's a big part of of what we're trying to do too. Is just introduce Christians to like, hey, there's there's another way to think about eschatology. There's there's another way to think about you know how we're to uh, engage in public discourse and how we're to get involved in in political life and in, in the culture. And you know, I think we've sat by the sidelines for far too long. The Christian the Christian man is sort of waking up from his long slumber. And and when that happens, by the tens of millions, um, great things are going are going to to, to happen. So uh, that's what we're trying to awaken. We're trying to to awaken the body of Christ and and say we have to remember. We have to remember who we are and who God wants us to be and and think about things a little bit differently and a little bit more optimistically, too. Mm. And it's, you know, to your point, one of the keys for us, I think, in all coming from, I think all of us in some degree, including you, if I'm not mistaken, came from this default Christian view of defeatism, pessimism. I grew up in that. I mean, my Bible schooling was through even, even that. Like All my assignments were you know, interpret Daniel to show why the world's going to end in the next five, you know, 15 the left minutes. Behind series. I <laughs> yes. grew up on the, I mean, that's what I call it. I call it the left behind eschatology, right? Yes. I mean, I grew up with that. I mean, that's what I grew up believing. That's what I was taught. In the so water. I, I have so much empathy for, for our brothers and sisters who are still sort of like caught up in that because it's all they know. It's all they've ever known. Um, you know, in, in, in order to, uh, you know, introduce them to these new concepts, we sort of have to have patience mm-hmm. and empathy, right? Because we we were ourselves just like that, right? Yeah. <laughs> we, we believed all the things they believed until we were introduced to, hey, there's a new way. There's a different way. To, it's not even necessarily a new way. It's just a different way to think about it. it it's a much more positive thing. I mean, Christ won over death like yeah. it, it's a victorious thing it's it's a it's a thing to uh be optimistic about it's not a thing to like it, no wonder the, the church is uh, not attracting men like what's attractive about like okay you accept jesus christ as your lord and savior and it's like now what well now you just sit around and wait to die and go to heaven like that's not too enticing to men right i right. mean but if it's like hey we're we're gonna we're gonna disciple all nations and we're gonna uh, build things for the glory of god and we're gonna raise up our children to 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 love the lord and honor the lord like you, you start saying these things and it's like, okay, like I can get behind that. Like yeah. this is, this is something that's bigger than me. This is something that's glorifying God. There's a sort of a bigger overarching mission here versus just like kind of around and, and getting stomped on by, by Satan as, as Chilton would say. Yeah. And even like, Hey, yeah, yeah. You're, you're saved now. Jesus has forgiven your sin. He's going to come back any second and kind of fix everything here. Don't worry about it. But by the way, also everything's your fault, men. Like your, your marriage is all your fault. Everything's your fault. Yeah. Uh, your, your wives are basically sinless. They've probably never done anything wrong ever. Uh, you know, like you just start, oh, and also can you sing this song now to a guy in skinny jeans? He's going to be singing really high. You won't even be able to hit the notes. It's going to be really embarrassing for you, but 
it's all for the Lord. It's all for the Lord. Right. And yeah, uh, this, this emasculated church, it's just, it's not that, that is why men are leaving. And that is why men are not attracted to the church. And, and, you know, you look at the Psalms and, you know, you see like these, these sort of battle hymns for the Lord. And it's like, okay, I, I can get behind that. Like, you know, that's, that's the good stuff. Send, send me some of that stuff or, you know, give me a, a mission that is greater than myself. Like that's what every man yeah. ultimately wants is, is something bigger than himself to fight for. Right. And whether that's his family, uh, God, a combination of those, those two, um, if, if we give men, that mindset, and, and that is a biblical mindset, I think they'll be more open to turning away from the madness of the world mm-hmm. and, and all that the world has to offer and, and turning back to God. And when you understand, when you understand that the fundamental nature of the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God, is like you said, that Christ has conquered. He's conquered your sin. He's certainly forgiven all of your sin. He's certainly pronounced you clean and justified you, and given you a new heart. And he's done those things so that you can actually, grace restores and perfects nature, so that you can return to what you were created to do. Because what you've been is you've been an engine out of gear. You've been spinning your wheels and going nowhere because you weren't you know, living your life for the glory of God and for the mission of God. But now, guess what? The kingdom of God, the people, we're leaven. We're going to go out and we're going to pollute everything. <laughs> we're going to go and we're going to leaven the whole lump. We're going to, and, and, and like not restricting that to, we're going to leaven Sunday mornings between 9 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. That's what we're <laughs> going to leaven. No, we're going to leaven the economy. We're going to leaven politics. We're going to leaven entertainment. We're going to leaven business. We're going to leaven like shower glass door companies and tech companies and, you know, enter, we're going to do all of it. You know, go and, go and, we tell men this all the time, go and be a glory. Like, don't go and be the false glory of, this loser who thinks that he's God. That's stupid. That's transhumanist, secular, post-millennial cope. Like, that's a waste of your time. Don't go do that. That's what the pagans are doing. They're just going to kill them. They're ultimately going to build a Tower of Babel, and then the Lord is going to confuse all of their languages, and he's going to embarrass them. And then they're going to wander around like idiots for a while while the Christians go and take take the, the rubble of what they try to build and do something meaningful with it. So it's like when men particularly have the gospel of the kingdom correct at the middle— I do think it just gives them courage to go and say, yeah, I don't care what these, the fact that these guys all hate me, like for you to say, wow, the fact that literally everybody on the other team hates me probably means that I'm succeeding. Wow. (laughs) Praise God. They all think I'm a loser. Well, they're actually losers. So, I mean, their approval would be failure if they were like, if tomorrow all of the big news companies were like, hey guys, we were wrong. Go sign up for Gab. You should do some serious, you know, introspection and be well, like, you would, you would know that I was, I was controlled then. Yeah. What have I done? <laughs> what happened to Torba? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so well, and then, and then, you, then you see me next week on a, on a flight to Israel, you know, at the wall. <laughs> oh man. You know, it's over. It's game it's over. over. Game, game over. over. So Mr. Torba, you've got the audacity to say, Hey, Christ is Lord. Therefore I'm going to take on big social media. Right. Right. And you knew going into this, you're like, well, there are going to be certain people that hate me. Like the obvious players, Absolutely. like Facebook's not going to like you. Yeah. Twitter's not going to like you. The liberal establishment is not going to like you. I'm just curious, who did you think would be on your team or at least Switzerland that ended up attacking you? That's yeah. maybe surprised you. That's a good question. <laughs> um, n- none of it has surprised me, honestly. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, I, I sort of knew going into this that I would I would have a lot of enemies. I didn't. You know what? Actually, what did surprise me was sort of like. The Republican establishment, like mm. because I actually believe that those guys sort of shared 
my values. Like I, you know, to me as, as an American, like to say that I'm going to build this platform where you, you could have free speech, you know, protected by the first amendment, which is, that's just like, you know, uh, it should be yeah. a core, you know, no brainer for any Repu- any person that calls them themselves a Republican. But what you find in the Republican establishment is actually a bunch of libertarians, hmm. um, which again, you would think would support the free speech aspect, but then they don't because you find out that free speech means that their donors can be criticized and their donors don't like free speech. So that, you know, once you figure out sort of how the mechanism of, of how the upper echelon of our political system works, it all goes back to the donors and uh, the donors don't support free speech. They don't want people talking about them. They don't want people talking about the amount of money that they're giving to politicians on both the left and the right uh, and the amount of influence that they have over those said politicians. So that sort of surprised me is, is once I you know started navigating through the upper echelons of of both Silicon Valley and the Republican establishment. God protected me though. It was so incredible. Like they tried to co-op me. They tried to buy me. They tried to threaten me. And through it all, like I'm looking back and I just see a host of angels and the Holy Spirit just surrounding me with a veil of protection that in some certain, like in some uh, uh, circumstances, it's like unthinkable that I got out alive um, in some of those situations uh, without, you know, uh, being incredibly tempted and not saying that I wasn't because I was, it's, you know, when, when someone, you know, sort of hands you a blank check, of course it's enticing. Like it's going to change my life. It'll change my family's life. It'll, it'll change the business's life. But, you know, being able to say no to that, that is where there's actual empowerment uh, is no, I don't need this. You know, I, I, I serve the creator of the universe. I'm not doing this for money. I'm doing this for a bigger purpose than myself. Um, and it's much bigger than money and it's much bigger than any political power or, um, you know, you want to make me this big influencer, this big name. I don't care about that. You know, my ego doesn't care about that. I don't care about the money. Um, so when all that stuff, again, didn't work, that's when it got to the nasty stuff, which mm-hmm. is the threats, the intimidation, you know, the the, de- the defamation, all that sort of stuff. But uh, through it all, I just I look back. I, that's probably going to have to be my next book is writing every example of of just God's intervention. Um, so clear divine intervention in these moments where just a, a veil of protection, uh, you know, came around me and, and protected me from that darkness and, and all glory to God for that, because, you know, I, I'm, I'm just a man, right. I, mm-hmm. you know, I get tempted and, uh, I sin too. I, I said this the other day, like a big dumb idiot. I sin every single day and every day, you know, my loving father forgives me and, and has patience and, um, is willing to show me love and grace. And I'm so thankful for that because, you know, being out in, in, in the world and, and the upper echelons of power, rubbing elbows with, you know, the big who's who of Silicon Valley and the big who's who of the Republican political establishment. It was all very, you know, enticing and and, and very tempting. And, you know, to be able to turn my back to that and say, no, 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 I'm just going to build. I'm going to focus on what I'm doing. They're not going to subvert me. They're not going to undermine uh, the work that we're doing here. We're going to stay true to the mission of, of what we started. And um, no amount of money is going to change that. No amount of threats are going to change that. No amount of blackmail, no amount of you know, name calling. None of that is going to change anything. They really, really don't like me because of that, because they cannot <laughs> control me. They can't yes. buy me. They can't scare me. They yep. can't control me. And that is what being a God-fearing man mm-hmm. in, a, in a position of, of stewardship and of responsibility looks like that is what they fear more than anything is the man that cannot be bought, that cannot be intimidated, uh, you know, and that cannot be owned or, or, or tempted with uh, the vice uh, of the world, um, because that's that's not what we're doing here. That's it's 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 a much bigger mission. Um, and, you know, all glory to God. I, I see the fruits of that. Right. I see the fruits of, of that decision every day 
where we see people on Gab that are saying, hey, you know, I just read your book and I, I went back to church for the first time in 20 years. Uh, or, uh, you know, I started going back to church six months ago after I got on Gab and started, you know, talking with uh, other Christians and I got baptized this week. Like I see those stories mm. constantly. Yeah. People are writing me letters or sending me DMs and you know, sharing how they're getting closer to God or how, uh, you know, th- their faith has strengthened since being on Gab. Like we're, we're seeing these things every day and, and the fruit is there. And I'm seeing it even in my own church where our church is growing so fast right now that we actually have to uh, expand our parking lot because there's no parking spaces. Wow. Like the pastor's like, please guys, carpool, like <laughs> come, to church, <laughs> come to church together because there's no parking spaces. Praise like God. all glory to God. That's incredible. Yes. You know, we're having, we're having baptisms every other week and, and new members and, and child dedications. And it's just like, this is incredible what God is doing doing. And, you know, if, if you're stuck in this media bubble uh, on both the left and the right, whether it's CNN or Fox News, you know, take your pick of poison, uh, you know, you're going to think that the world is ending. And yeah. um, and that's a good thing, by the way, right? That, that's <laughs> the mindset that many, so many Christians have, and it's just maddening. So I'm trying to wake people up to that and say, like, we don't have to think this way. And, and you don't have to live in, in this bubble of, of constant fear and and uh, we serve the creator God. What do you have to fear? Like, do you know, like we built the most magnificent countries, the most magnificent buildings, the most beautiful art, uh, the most amazing, incredible technology and and science, by the way, you know, also dominated by Christians yeah. throughout all of history. So it, it's like we have done all these incredible things when we were doing them for the glory of God and we remembered um, again, who we were and, and who we are and, and who we always will be. And that's a peculiar people and a holy nation. Um, so we need to remember that. We need to get back to that. Christendom Bible College offers a one-year certificate in the humanities for students who intend to pursue a degree or for students who prefer to begin their chosen occupations upon completion of our program. Older students who never attended college or who went to a college where the humanities were less robust will also find our program stimulating and suitable. Located steps from the Ohio River in the town of New Richmond, we're unaccredited in order to remain free to teach as our biblically-minded consciences demand. As servants of Christ, we won't wear the yoke of the woke. Instead, we stand on the shoulders of Christianity's giants, not to stew in nostalgia, but to see through the culture wars fall to the glorious days of a Christendom still to be built. Our exceptional faculty are committed to the historic, biblical foundations of our faith. Come be a part of Christendom Bible College. Visit us on the web at christendombiblecollege.org to learn more. While there, be sure to sign up for our email updates and receive your free three-chapter excerpt of our very own Dr. Frank J. Smith's new book, Race, Church, and Society. And, and when you see, I think, that the it's really only two options. It's It really is Christ and Christendom, and everything that, that Christ will build as the orderer of the universe, as the one who holds all things together, the one who literally wrote the laws of reality, the rules of reality. He, he, he's, all facts are contained in Christ, every point of knowledge. The fear of God is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom, knowing things and knowing what to do about things. And you can either have that everywhere in science and art and media and business, or you can have chaos where people are you know, trying to be their own gods. You can try to have, you know, I'm going to be whatever I say I am. I'm going to you know, shirk all of his rules, and I'm going to say, well, now we're going to build ugly, brutalist architecture to the glory of secularism. And everyone hates it, and it's going to be cold and depressing and, and destroy humanity. And it's like, really, there are only two paths. 
and and even politically, I think one of the big movements that we've seen that I, I'm excited about, to be honest, that I see developing is this realization among Christians that that is also true about politics, that we can't have this libertarian fever dream where we'll have this totally neutral secular public space where everyone will just agree somehow by some unknown mechanism that reality, that, that logic is real and that the rules are, you know, that we should all be nice to each other and not kill each other. And no one's really, no one's God is going to be in charge. It's like, no, someone's God is going to be in charge. So even like your book that you, you just wrote with our friend, uh, Andrew Isker, pastor Andrew Isker, Christian nationalism. See you guys, uh, again, pushing your weight behind that saying, yes, if, if America is going to be, or if any nation is going to truly be great, a place of freedom, place where people can flourish and just be human beings. It's going to be a Christian nation. So so tell us about that book. Why did you write it? What were you hoping to accomplish? How has it gone? Uh, it seems like it's, you know, based on the Amazon charts, it seems like it's made some waves. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a bestseller. You know, we've sold tens of thousands of copies. Uh, it's, you know, only been out a couple of weeks. Uh, far exceeded, you know, our expectations and all glory to God for that. Um, mm. You know, I, I thought we'd sell, you know, a couple thousand to the Gab community mm. and, you know, it might make a little, little bit of a blip, but like it's sort of broken outside of, you know, the Gab community and, and into the, uh, the academic sphere. And, and who we're really making upset is all these, these folks who have written, you know, countless endless books that are against Christian nationalism and that are trying to defame Christians and defame this concept of, of Christian nationalism. So, you know, we saw this, this term being thrown around and, and, and sort of attempted to be co-opted. And, you know, the way that they were co-opting it was they were trying to paint all, all Bible believing, you know, Orthodox Christians as, uh, as something that we're not, you know, so we said, we're going to take this term, we're going to run with it, we're going to own it. And, and we're going to define the terms. And if you read the book, it's, it's not about, you know, this uh, hostile political takeover and insurrection. It's just like, you know, you're a Christian in this world. And like you said, you, you have two choices. You can be ruled by God-fearing men, or you can be ruled by people who hate and reject Jesus Christ and are, and are therefore anti-Christ. Those are the only two options that we have. So, you know, we've come to sort of this crossroads where, Christians are sort of uh, waking up to the fact that there are only two choices and that it's time to decide. Mm. Me, as for me, uh, and and for Pastor Isker, we, you know, uh, we're, we're both fathers. And, um, uh, you know, this is one of the things that I sort of get across is like, what sort of legacy am I leaving for not only my children, but like my great, 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 great grandchildren, right? Yeah. Like, you know, I think for too many people, especially in America and in American politics, we're so focused on like these four year election cycles, like these dog and pony shows, like we need to start thinking in like decades and in centuries. Right. Um, what are we building now? What is the groundwork that we're laying now to, uh, you know, protect and preserve and build Christendom, you know, for the next 500 years? Um, and and that, that all goes back to sort of this this, you know, negative, uh, uh, pessimistic doomer sort of eschatology where why are you going to think about the next 500 years when, you know, Christ is going to come back any second now? Right. Well, well, suppose that he doesn't suppose that it, he comes back 10,000 years from now. Right. What what then? We have to yeah. live here now for the next 10,000 years. And, you know, our, our kids and our great grandkids and our, our, our whole prodigy has to has to live here. Um, so, you know, we have to start thinking like, 
Um, yes, we, we look forward to the glorious return of Christ, but you know, the Bible tells us that no one knows that they are ours. So until then, like, let's build for the glory of God and let's disciple the nations as we've been commanded for the glory of God. Um, so, you know, that's that's a, a high level overview of some of the stuff that we're talking about. But we also sort of go back to the the, the true Christian roots of the founding of the American people and of the American uh, nation, which is not, you know, 1776 is sort of the trap. As we lay out, you know, 1776 is sort of the middle history. Yeah. Uh, you know, for 200 years prior to that, we had explicitly Christian colonies that were under Christian laws that were run by Christians and governed by Christians for Christians explicitly. And we're talking about like 200 years, right? So, you know, we dive into, you know, some some of the the early uh, founding of some of the early colonies and, and you know, some of their laws and 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 their governing structures and and all of that sort of stuff to to point back to to say like this is who we are this is our true roots reminding people of that uh because you know the the regime they they hate to talk about the colonies because mm-hmm. they sort of don't have any rebuttal right yep. they they can get away with these these uh these quips of you know well actually the founding fathers were deists and you know they they talk about you know they they have some sort of like sophistry going on with that with that stuff but they really cannot they have zero argument against you know the first real 200 years of this country you know, which was explicitly Christian colonies run by Christians for Christians, governed by Christians, uh, you know, for the glory of God. Uh, you know, the, the, the people that came here did not come here for gold, right? They came here uh, to spread the word of God and to establish, uh, you know, explicitly Christian colonies uh, where they could worship God freely. So, you know, reminding people of that is, is another part of the book. But um, yeah, it's just about, you know, how, how are we to live? Like we have to live uh, as Christians in this world. Um, and, and we need to start building that. That's another theme of the book is like, we need to start building things. Um, you know, we can't see it idly by, uh, and, and continue to be stepped on by the enemy, um, and continue to be pushed out where we've already been pushed out of all these institutions. So, you know what, we're just going to build our own institutions because we've done it before and we're, we're more than capable of doing it again. God has blessed us with, you know, many talents and and um, and uh, and resources. And if we just, you know, sort of unite and come together and say, we have this shared enemy uh, uh, of these antichrists who uh, are dominating all of our institutions. Uh, so we're going to build our own and we can just go and do that. And yeah. it's it's another thing is like, it's not a short term thing. It's like, this is a multi-generational effort. Yes. Um, so, you know, the most, one of the most important things is like, uh, we have to raise up our kids yeah. to fear and love the Lord and to, to have these biblical worldviews that we have. That's that's one of the most important things that we could be doing. And I think uh, God is on the move on that front too, because like I said, homeschooling is exploding yeah. um, and and people are, are are being exposed to, especially throughout the COVID thing where people were, you know, seeing what their kids were actually being taught in school. And a lot of this stuff is sort of being leaked by like libs of TikTok and others who are showing like what these teachers are teaching your kids and how these teachers are showing up to school. And like they have, they're taking down the American flag and putting up the pride flag and like talking about sex to, you know, five-year-olds. Um, you know, I don't think any parent, whether you're Christian or not, um, would endorse that or would want mm-hmm. that for their kids. So, you know, the education is is a huge part of it. Um, and I, I think that we're making strides on that front too. Yeah, we... In fact, this this episode actually that as listeners are listening to it uh, will come out a week after our episode. As we record this, it's going to come out in two days, so it's not live yet. But we did it. We just did an episode on education and how whether you homeschool, private school, whatever you do, Christians should all agree on this principle of Christian education and and right. taking that ground again and saying whether it's parallel, whatever parallel institution building we need to do, like that's going to be a key. Uh, because this isn't something that's going to be fixed in five years. 
what if the Lord Jesus, what if God really meant when he said to Abraham to a thousand generations? What if when when he said uh, he loves to show his steadfast love to a thousand generations of those who fear him and keep his commands, what if that really is 40,000 years and we're only a couple right. thousand into that? And it's like, to me, in, in, look, going back to the book, that was my favorite part of the whole book was simply when you you guys went through and listed no, no, let's talk about Massachusetts. This is what Anglicanism, or Virginia, Anglicanism for 200 years. Here's a New England. Here's, you know, and just went through and devastated this idea that North America and the United States of America are anything other than originally a, a Christian endeavor that was begun by Christians to advance Christianity and that it was successful in that aim. It's like, it's just the craziest kind of revisionist. And again, it comes back to that education piece. The fact that most Americans, that would be utter sh- utterly shocking to them to learn, tells you right. not only how much we failed, this isn't a failure, that's a success of the other team. Because they know right. it, and, the le- and what they absolutely will not allow is, we will not teach children this. We cannot have Americans understanding the, it, where they stand in history and the legacy that they stand in. Yeah, they, they want to teach them about, uh, you know, sex at five years old instead. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, a, let's, it's, it's absurd. Let's get you on hormone blockers when you're five. Or if we can't do that, then let's get you on birth control at 13. And if we can't do that, or if we do do that, then you'll need, you know, your antidepressants at 17. And then, you know, let's just get them all on the big pharma, big government, big everything train, big agriculture. You know, let's co-opt you completely into this religion of secular humanism to be discipled by these false gods. And as Christians, again, like it, it all really is this simple. It comes back to there's only two ways. Is it going to be Christ or is it going to be slavery? Is it going to be Christ or is it going to be slavery politically, educationally? You know, it, on every level, I think, I think that that's been just proven out and amplified, you know, to the 10th degree in the last couple of years. Yeah, I'm looking absolutely. At Eric. I'm looking at Eric because usually this is when he says, that's huge, and then goes on a – on well, a good, like a classic Eric Kahn. It, it was one of those, like, that's huge. And also the Jews own a lot of the uh, pharma companies. So. <laughs> it's all, no, it, it, it is all like. Just you, as an observation. You see, an observation. Th- that's a, that's a, that is huge, Eric. The, the way that um, pessimistic, pessimistic eschatology, Zionism, and big government, globalism, world economic form. When, I mean, stuff that three or four years ago, you literally, people would say you are absolutely crazy is now just like, no, this is just everybody. Oh, that's obvious. This is, this is the obvious stuff, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, I mean, but... Well, it, I mean, and that, that's, the reason that that is is because places like Gab exist, Yeah. right? I mean, there's so many people that are getting exposed to these things that, you know, they're not talking about this stuff on, you know, Fox News or CNN, no. right? <laughs> so, no. Or in your local newspaper or magazine or whatever, this stuff is not on the radar. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the ability for us to communicate is so crucial yes. and to have a free flow of information. I mean, I, I go back to, you know, October 2020 when Hunter Biden's laptop leaked mm-hmm. and Gab was the only place where you where you saw all of the laptop, right? Yep. <laughs> the whole yep. laptop was there. Um, and, and, you know, meanwhile, you have Twitter and Facebook that were censoring, you know, the oldest newspapers in the country, uh, for, you know, their link about the story from being shared. Yep. Um, so th- this is this is crazy. So there's that. There's the, you know, the Wuhan lab story, which, you know, if you were on Gab, you knew about that in, you know, January 2020. And, <laughs> you know, they were calling us conspiracy theorists and all this stuff. And then you go to the vaccine and, you know, all the adverse yep. side effects. And 
people on Gab were talking about that. There, there was actually that was um, in 2021. One of our biggest areas of growth was like doctors and healthcare professionals that were joining Gab just to be able to share information mm. about this stuff because they were being shut up. They were being thrown in timeout from Facebook or banned from Twitter or whatever. So we had all of those doctors that you know are, are world class doctors. They're yeah. not like just some random kook who has an MD. It's like you know these are like top tier doctors, experts in their fields who needed a place to to to, stay, to share truth and to and to and to speak freely. And, and Gab was that place. And they weren't even necessarily Christian per se, but you know just having a place where they can share that information, um, you know, without being shut up by by the machine um, is so crucial. So that's mm. you know it's a big part of what we're doing is is just being able to to speak freely and, and share information freely. So one of the biggest things, Andrew, that, that I've noticed is kind of the key factor in a lot of this is young men, right? A lot of the people who are discouraged by the doomer mindset is young guys. In a lot of ways, boomer world seems to be kind of like, okay, we might have lost a lot of those guys. Um, but young men in particular are looking for fathers and they're looking for encouragement. Uh, they're looking for just that guy to say, hey, go take that risk. I, I want to ask you, do you see that? And, and why is masculinity such an important part of this conversation? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we in the younger generation, we have this this deep seated nihilism and this deep seated, you know, doomer mindset of, uh, you know, who cares? Nothing matters. Um, you know, why am I even here? Um, why bother? Why bother doing anything? Why why bother starting a family? I can't afford it. I can't do it. You know, blaming women, blaming other men, blaming the older generation, and you know, it's it's a lack of masculinity. It's not taking responsibility. Um, and I think a big part of it is like our, our generation, like the younger generation, we, you know, we don't have our great war, uh, but we do, but we sort of don't know it. Right. And, and it's a spiritual one. And that, and that's why. So, you know, when, when young men are not exposed to understanding that it is a spiritual world, you know, between the powers and principalities and God almighty, uh, you know, they don't understand what's going on around them and why they feel the way they feel or why the world is, you know, f- sort of falling apart seamlessly. Um, so I think that masculinity is, is such a, a crucial component of just men that are going to show them it's okay to be uh, masculine. It's okay to be how God created you. Um, and especially in the church, like we're not getting this either. So, I mean, that's a, that's a failure on, on part of the church is like, you know, some of these young guys walk into a church and they see this like effeminate pastor who's like, you know, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, it's not, you know, projecting, uh, you know, biblical masculinity. Let's yeah. say, let's put it nicely that way. Guys, right? um, just worship God, guys. Just, just, <laughs> it's just, Jesus just loves you. He's always using that voice what? for some reason. And, and, and also they go into the church and like, they hear the same message that they're hearing from the world. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it's, it's like, you know, you walk into a church and there's a pride flag out front and it's like, well, this is no different. Why, like, why am I going to come here? Like, I'm looking for something different, explicitly different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm looking for something explicitly masculine. I'm looking for my great war and young men don't have that, but they do, but they just sort of need to become aware of it. Right. And, and so that's a big part of what I'm trying to do too, is, is engage with these younger guys and, and point them to Christ. You know, a lot of them look up to me, um, you know, because of the the sort of worldly success of, you know, I built my own social network and I, you know, wrote a best-selling book, whatever. Like none of that stuff means anything to me, but to them, it, it holds weight. So, you know, when I get that attention from them, I say, it's not me, it's Christ. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm always trying to point back to Christ and 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 give him the glory and the honor and, and say, I wouldn't be here. Uh, you don't understand, like my business in, in 2018 was reduced to ash. I, Gab was nothing. It was a, a pile of ones and zeros on my desktop. 
stop, right? Um, mm-hmm. But I, I saw God take that and and build it into what it is today, and, and all glory goes to Him uh, for that. So when when I share that testimony, when I share my testimony of how going through that and going through those immense trials and, and battles and, uh, you know, having my face plastered all over international papers, you know, uh, 90 days after I was married, they had my wedding photo next to this mass shooter on, you know, the, the British tabloids. And, you know, talk about a, a first trial for, for your marriage. Wow. Unbelievable. <laughs> um, you know, just being able to, 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 to say that, yeah, like you can go through this and they're going to call you names and, um, yeah, you might get fired from your job and you, you know, you might lose some family members and, but it's all worth it, um, you know, because we're we're glorifying God and and we're building the new Christendom and um, and we're going to express ourselves and we're going to be who God made us to be as men. And they they they're desperately looking for you know authenticity and, and authentic masculinity. And I I, I hope that I can uh, you know sort of point them back to Christ for that because Christ, of course, is the the ultimate yeah. figurehead of of uh, true you know biblical masculinity and manhood. Yeah, it's 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 a tough thing. It's a tough situation. There's there's so many young men that are so lost in uh, the the nihilism of of the world, uh, but they're actively looking for an alternative. And and if we can point them to Christ as the alternative, the Lord can do some incredible things. But mm. it, it can't be this this fake, you know, uh, effeminate Christianity that that is out there. It, it sort of has to be. You know, no, we're we're men. We're masculine. We're not afraid of that. We're going to own that. You know, that's how God made us. Um, it's not a bad thing. Men, young men need to be told that, and they need to be told that it's okay to, to be who they are as, as God created them. Amen. Amen. Well, though I feel like we could talk for four or five hours and do a full Joe Rogan style episode, and maybe, hey, in the future, maybe we'll get our video capability up here at the King's Hall and we'll go for it. And we'll say, we'll go to an undisclosed location and meet in person and do the be- the, the craziest King's Hall episode ever. But we're out of time for this episode, so we just want to thank you so much again, Mr. Torba, for taking the time. I know you have, with all the things you're building, you can't, you must be working all the time. So we, we really appreciate your time and and enriching the show, enriching our listeners with your with your insight and your story. And uh, really, last question here is just how can how can we be praying for you? How can our listeners be supporting what you're doing? And uh, where can they just get plugged into everything, Gab, and, and what you're up to? Uh, yeah, pray for rest. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. a, that's a big one uh, because I, I, I have been working, um, you know, 13, 14, 15-hour days uh, yeah. for many months now. Um, but it's worth it. You know, I, I know what's at stake, and, um, you know, I, I'm working for the glory of God. So I, I it's, it's not something that I, I dread or, or anything like that. But, yeah, pray, pray for rest and, and pray for wisdom and, and continued courage. Um, and pray for me to, you know, stay grounded in, in my faith yeah. um, and stay focused on on Christ, um, more importantly, because it's, it's very easy for someone in my position with, you know, all this attention and whatever. I sort of gotten over that many years ago, but it's very easy to fall into, you know, a, a pride trap mm-hmm. or, yep. um, you know, and, you know, the temptation traps and, and all of those things. And of course, uh, I, I, I notice specific attacks, uh, you know, demonic attacks when, when like we're in the press or like the book was doing really well, like last week and and everybody was sort of talking about it and freaking out about it. And like, I noticed like increase in temptation and just weird, you know, sort of demonic things that were popping up and like, that's not a coincidence. So Mm -hmm. just pray for, you know, a a host of angels to surround my family. Like I said, we get a lot of threats and stuff. Yeah. 
uh, pray for some rest for me as well. And you can reach me on Gab. I'm, I'm at a on Gab. Um, and, uh, yeah, if you, if, if you want to support us, you can upgrade to Gab pro or, or grab the book. Um, yeah. but other than that, uh, we would just appreciate you being on Gab and being a part of the community. Yeah. Well, thanks again. And everybody listening to this show, we really hope that the result of hearing from Mr. Torba, hearing what's happening at Gab, uh, is that you would just be absolutely empowered and have the drive just injected into your veins to go and build, to go and whatever it is that the Lord puts in front of you, whether you're a plumber that is going to go and build a plumbing business to the glory of God, or you're going to homeschool your children, ladies, to the glory of God, or you're building you know, a, a, your own company, whatever it is that you're doing, go and do it to the glory of God. But remember, one of the one of our mottos here at the King's Hall is Winkit Kwisa Winkit means he conquers who conquers himself. So before you do any of it, make sure that you walk in the fear of the Lord, that you're a self-ruled man or woman who does not give way to the enemy, doesn't give in to the fear of man, doesn't build babbles for your own kingdom, but puts bricks. Everything you do is putting bricks in the cathedral of the new Christendom, his kingdom. And so thanks again for listening, guys. We'll see you next time on the King's Hall.